Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everyone to Tuesday day Monday night when we're recording this episode RB1 podcast colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by fake that whole intro was just a plus I am your humble host Peter Rogers and I am joined as always the norm now just Clark Barnes how are you hi Pete doing great a wonderful Monday evening in Sonny, Texas, with my air conditioner out, but I've got some cold beers and I'm ready to record. What are you uh, sipping on today? So we're doing a fine Sierra Nevada coffee stout. It's the first time I've Ooh. had this, uh, and we may have more on that later in the Clark's Likes to Complain About Things segment. What are you sipping tonight? I am sipping on some Lagunitas IPA, a classic IPA that, uh, you know, if you ever have that hankering for just a good hoppy beverage, well, one of the ones I turn to. I also have many others, but uh, but it's a classic. This is when I was living out in California for a year. I uh, I became a big Lagunitas fan, so that's where I kind of have continued it on into my East Coast venturings. Fair enough, and I respect the Lagunitas IPA. My living in California for a year is why I hate IPAs. That could be fair. That is fair. I understand that. I respect that. But, IPAs but that's a good are... one. It's not a like, I'm trying to prove it, a dogfish head IPA. So good choice. Good choice. Yes. <clears throat> um, excellent. Well, obviously, you are here for our week 10 recap because that's what just happened. Oh, my goodness. Uh, double digits into the season. All kinds of craziness going on. People are dropping like flies right and left. The NFL just can't keep anyone healthy. It's just... Uh, just a, just an awful time to be alive if you're an NFL fan and a fantasy owner, which segues perfectly into our, of course, our weekly segment. You help no one for week team, uh, week ten, week team. Uh, and we'll just start right off at the top. We have uh, five nominees for you for this week ten that helped no one, and we of course posted this poll on FakeTeams.com, and we'll let you know who the winner is, and we'll each give our winners. Uh, we start with. Nominee number one, Austin Eckler, the running back for the San Diego Chargers, who I believe who? is owned in two 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 percent of leagues. Zero percent. Who? who? Who exactly? Steven uh, Eckler, his cousin owns him, but that's just out of courtesy. But that's just because, you know, you've got to keep it in the family. Ten attempts for 42 yards, but more importantly, he had five catches for 77 yards and two touchdowns. Count them. Uno dos uh, for our Spanish crowd. Uh, second, we have CJ Beat Hard. I'll correctly pronounce his name because he's about to get beat hard by Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, 288 yards for two touchdowns and interception. Uh, and but more also, he added 15 yards on the ground on five attempts and a rushing touchdown in the 49ers victory. We will, of course, get to that later, but that was a big monumentous occasion that we just witnessed. 
Third nominee we have for the You Helped No One Award this week was Chester Rogers, wide receiver for the Colts, who posted six receptions for 104 yards and a touchdown, which, of course, helped no one. Uh, And finally, our two final contestants, uh, both of whom helped no one in the fact that they were popularly owned and yet produced very little. Antonio Brown posting 47 yards on only three receptions. And Leonard Fournette, who... Followed up his being benched for a week with a 33-yard performance on 17 attempts. Uh, so now that you know the nominees, Clark, who won this week's award? So I always like to make it personal, so I'm going to go with Antonio Brown. Thanks, bro. Really appreciated <laughs> all of the points that you gave me this week. As last week, I got lucky as could be, won a bunch of games that I had no business winning. This week was karma swinging back and making me pay for the joy I had last week. Antonio Brown, a major contributing factor to that. The Steelers always like to have a stinker once a year against a team that is awful. It's usually the Ravens. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Antonio Brown. Please do better next week. You help no one. It's he's he is he's a very obvious choice, and I'm surprised that and mild spoiler alert he was not the winner on fateteams.com um but i'm surprised that he didn't receive more votes because you would think against a matchup like the colts he would just go off and you know post exactly what you're expecting him to post which is a ton of yards and a touchdown i keep waiting for the five touchdown ben roethlisberger game that i just (laughs) freaking know is happening and by waiting, you know I mean I grew it. stacking it in DFS just over and over. I'm like, which combination of Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger is going to win me a bunch of money so that I can buy a house? And it's just not coming. I'm going to keep doing it because I'm stupid. And I don't mind throwing good money after bad. But come on, Pittsburgh. Come on, Roethlisberger. Let's do this. Let's get let's get let's get Clark a house, Steelers. Come on. This should be just your new bottom down. for the for the season. Just a down payment. You don't have to pay for the whole thing. I've got a job. I don't mind chipping in, but just help me out. Just help just help him out with the down payment. Uh, I had Chester Rogers as my guy because I think Antonio Brown is a very obvious answer and a great answer. I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic choice to win this award. I picked Chester Rogers just because on the flip side, the Colts were going up against a very good Steelers passing defense. And so you're kind of hoping to yourself, like, if any Colts receiver – was going to have a big game, you would hope that it was someone who you'd actually own, be that T.Y. Hilton or even Jack Doyle or even Dante Moncrief. Though, that being said, Dante Moncrief did have a 60-yard touchdown. Uh, but it's just painful. Will- it's painful Painful to watch all of that go to Chester Rogers. Yeah, I, I had my fair share of T.Y. Hilton this week because I think he's good. And watching Dante Moncrief, although I do enjoy what I'm going to deem as the Prince celebration, it really hurt. Yeah, yeah it was crushing. Um, on fake teams, which you can vote, go vote on. We have posted every single Monday, so make sure to go vote on that uh, on faketeams.com. Austin Eckler was the one who ran away with this week's award, considering the fact that he posted one of the Best scores, I believe the best score among running backs, um, and was owned in exactly, I think it's 2% of leagues. Yeah, that's why it's CBS or NBC or whoever does it, does the like perfect challenge of you could win a million dollars if you do this, because there's no way the best people in this industry are right 55% of the time. There's just, ugh, yeah. rubble, 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 rubble. And we are, of course, right 
52% of the time. So stick with us. Beating the average, losing to the VIG. So we're good. (laughs) Um, So make sure to check in next week. We do this every week. We nominate our uh, You Helped No One, and we award a special player. Uh, And we will, of course, then accumulate all of the awards at the end, and we'll see if there are any players who have uh, showed up multiple times for the the victory. Leonard Fournette, I will say, was in back-to-back weeks as a nominee. That's not a great look, Fournette. Let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, Let's get back on track. So... Speaking of getting on track, so week 10 just happened, and we are going to recap some of the games. Now, since we are now a two, two-man two show, we figure, you know what? It's a lot of work for us to talk all however many games there are in a week with buys and all that. You know, normally there should be uh, 16 games any given week, considering there are 32 teams, and 32 divided by 2 is uh, 16. But... Since we don't want to do 16 games and we each then have to give eight because 16 divided by two is eight, uh, we decided instead we are going to give uh, our favorite games from the weekend, ones with maybe the most interesting fantasy storylines and just the most interesting storylines in general. So, Clark, why don't you start us off with a game that not a lot of us predicted in the sense that uh, maybe we had the New Orleans Saints beating the Buffalo Bills, but not in a blowout. Yeah, so... I thought the Saints would win, but I thought it would be a really close match. And that, guys, is why (laughs) I still have a real job. 52% of of the time. That's all we need to be. Exactly. So really impressive game for the Saints here. And I'm just going to focus on that. We'll touch on Buffalo right at the end uh, because that's how much they deserve. Uh, So the the winners here are Ingram and Kamara. I thought it was Kamara. Kamara seems like a is mythical winged beast. I, I might have that wrong. Um, anyway. But that being so said, both of the, the running backs. Playing, he yeah, should well, be called Kamara. A mythical winged beast? I, I would describe him as such. Yeah, I, I think. So we'll start with him. So he never looks like he's running that fast. And he never looks like he's cutting that hard. And he looks really small. But he always seems to beat people to the corner, and he always seems to stay up through first contact. So it's a bit like what we saw with Kareem Hunt earlier in the year. Of you can't, I can't quite see why it's happening because he doesn't seem to have anything super electric. But he's just always picking up ten or fifteen yards whenever you look up. So he looked really great. Ingram in this game, obviously a game where the Saints rush for three hundred yards. Both of the running backs are going to look good. He. For the past couple of weeks, since they moved Adrian Peterson and seemed to kind of focus their offensive attack, featuring the running backs, but then obviously still having one of the best quarterbacks in the game and Drew Brees, Ingram has looked like that clear number one stud running back who can do everything out of the backfield. And then they, the Saints have the tremendous luxury of Kamara, who looks like he could also be a number one back for a lesser offense, but is clearly the number two defenses can't adjust. Kamara can run inside. Ingram can catch the ball. So I think it really throws defenses off. And I think that one of the things that the saints can do is confuse defenses when they have skill players. Uh, Michael Thomas came back from the dead in this game. He had 11 catches and a hundred some odd yards. Uh, We're starting to ask the question, can the saints support two wide receivers? with Ted Ginn only getting three yards on a couple of catches. Uh, Everything worked for the Saints. The Saints were up 
late and had all of their backups in and they had a running back go for a 35 yard touchdown. Uh, everyone knew this was over, including Buffalo saints just dominated. So don't get too excited saints fans about this game, but the, the track that you're on, it's looking very good. All right. So with Buffalo, I mean, nothing worked and the game got, got way out of hand early. Uh, so the saints knew what you were going to do. The Saints were bringing a good pass rush. The Saints secondary was looking good. Uh, so hopefully, Buffalo fans, you can look past this, and this will be the, the turning point in your season. You're coming into the week before 5-2. and two. You're going to New Jersey to play the Jets. In a really tough division, you're excited. You feel like we're 5-2. and two. We're finally getting out ahead. We're playing the Jets next. And then 10 days later, you turn around and you're 5-4. and four. You've just lost a crusher crusher of a defeat against the saints who just made you look silly and now what are you you're five and four you've had a good start to the season are you going to fall back to the crowd or are you actually going to push for the wild card i think Buffalo's good i have faith in their skill position players i think you just look at this game and move on to the next one buffalo and I wish you the best of luck there. <laughs> yeah, hope for the best. I mean, yeah, for Buffalo, I mean, it's it's tough to like lose any games when you're competing with when you're in the AFC East and you're going to have to be running behind the Patriots in order to at least try to sneak into the wild card for for playoff contention. Moving on to probably one of the more devastating, well, I shouldn't say devastating, but what, another big game of the week and and with one of the bigger fantasy impacts coming out of it, the uh, Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. And while Brett Hundley finally got his first victory and notched that in his belt, uh, it was at the expense of Aaron Jones. Uh, the rookie running back tore his, or sprained his MCL, I believe, and is out at least three to six weeks um, which is not great for those who, of course, own him, but also for the Packers offense in general, as he was putting together a pretty good season uh, and had been able to really kind of give the Packers offense a running game that they had severely been lacking in both this season and years past. To make matters worse, Ty Montgomery also went out with a rib injury. The, he, it's things he, I think he aggravated the same kind of rib injury that kept him out earlier in the week. So, it means it's Jamal Williams times in Green Bay. Uh, he had 20 carries for 67 yards against the Bears. And if he's going to continue to get that much opportunity, then he's definitely someone who's worth adding in the waiver wires. Uh, if that's going to be Mike McCarthy and the Packers uh, offense moving forward. Yeah, this game just as a fan of neither team gag. What an <laughs> awful. Just not what? good awful game i mean if williams is going to get 25 touches he's has the chance to become this year's tim hightower maybe more on that next episode uh but the, it's this man i know you covered this game so i'll just put in my two cents this game sucked if you missed it don't bother <laughs> There you go. Uh, I, I it's amazing how much. I mean, it makes sense given the fact that you that the Packers have lost arguably the most entertaining player in the NFL in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but it's amazing how much this team is just unwatchable as soon as you lose Aaron Rodgers. Jordy Nelson, Devontae. I mean, Devontae Adams had a big game, but purely because he had one spectacular catch along the sideline. Lots of uh, catch he, and run stuff. I mean, not not, not yeah. to take away from his performance, but it wasn't like an amazing thing to watch no. it was just no it was just i mean it's just it's amazing how much this offense has just fallen apart without 
Rogers at the helm. And maybe we can touch on this in another episode where we reconstruct the NFL. Uh, but for me, a lot of that falls on the shoulders of Mike McCarthy. And I think it's time to cut ties with the old head coach there in Green Bay. Of course it does. I understand, or I don't understand. I can imagine what it's like to lose one of the best players in football. And so you have your team fall apart. And so the argument is like, well, any team that loses a guy like that, of course, would fall apart. No. Because when the Patriots didn't have Tom Brady last year, they did just fine. They didn't look completely inept in every facet of the game. So they've Green Bay has become way too reliant on, granted, if you're going to rely on anyone, the best person to become way too reliant on. But you have to build a team around them. And that's why the Green Bay gets to the playoffs all the time and loses. Because all they have is Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson. And maybe some other receivers who Aaron Rodgers makes. So this is what you're getting for having an otherwise mediocre team and the best player in the NFL who doesn't make that much more money than everyone else. So shame on you, Packers ownership, shame. And that means you, Green Bay, all of you. Man, I love the non-Patriots fan bringing up the Patriots as an excellent example of how to uh, construct a team. Well done, everyone. That was a win for the entire podcast. It hurts me every time I have to do it. You have to give credit where credit is due. You have to. You got to. You can't not. Um, because let's be honest, three of the quarterbacks on that team last year are now all starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So what are you doing, Packers? <laughs> oh my God. I don't want to talk about the Patriots <laughs> anymore, Pete. Just, uh, quickly on the Bears side, I was disappointed in Jordan Howard this, this week. He had a very favorable matchup. The Packers aren't great against the run. And I wanted to, I wanted to see a little more from him. Um, and it wasn't like someone took over. It wasn't like, you know, it was a Tariq Cohen game. I guess it was really just a Mitch, use my full name, ill Trubisky game in which they had him throw 35 times. So I don't know, but I want to see more from Jordan Howard. He's been, he's started off the season very strong and he, maybe, maybe it's just uh, personal biases since he's my RB one on the fantasy team that I care about, but uh, has not exactly been living up to the title in my book in recent weeks. Yeah. I don't know if both of us being wrong makes you feel any better, but I had a lot of Jordan Howard in DFS this week because I thought this would be a slog and I thought this would be one of those 35 carries for 130 yards in a touchdown games. And at his price, like 6,000 on draft. Kings. I thought that was great. So disappointed in him. Like you said, this wasn't a game where anyone took over. It was just a game that was just 100% meh. Uh, let's move on then to another game that I don't know if it was meh. Titans against this Bengals in Tennessee. Clark, what do you have for that? Why do should we care about this game? Okay, so, so I thought this game was fun. I know that I have a knack for picking out the crummy games. Um, <laughs> Even though this was two bad teams, it was kind of two bad teams that matched up well together. So the outcome was a fun game to watch. Uh, so the losers here, the kickers, like, what the hell happened to kickers, man? Like, they used to Seriously. make field goals all the time. What happened? I just love I love how it was just like, it was just like, hey, we're going to move the PAT back a little bit. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, I need to completely relearn how to kick a football. Yeah, all of a sudden, Dan Bailey is worth like $14 million a year. You know, <laughs> what is going on? So the kickers missed tons of kicks in this game. Uh, and uh, another loser is, I, I finally figured out the problem with Marcus Mariota, is that all of us, meaning a subsection of Twitter, wanted him to be really good and start oh, throwing God, the ball see. more. But the coaching staff told us we're going to run, and that's what they're doing. So when Tennessee gets a first and goal from the one, 
you can just go make a sandwich because you know Marcus Mariota is not going to get you that touchdown. And if you drafted him in lots of leagues like I did, you can understand the frustration of like when Drew Bees has first and goal from the one, you know the Saints are going to at least do one little – There's at least one pass, pass coming. To the tight end. They're at least going to try one. And so that's the losers here is the Marcus Mariota owners because they are who we thought they were. They told us what they were going to do. They told us what they were going to do, and they're doing it. And it's It's frustrating. It's so upsetting as a a Mariota owner. I've had to move on. I now started Jared Goff because three touchdowns. What up for you? Um, Yeah, great move. Like, he's doing better in fantasy. So it's so hard, and I see what you're. I know what you're saying. Where where the coaching staff said, you know, we are going to run the football, and they've always said that it's exotic smash math, and it's the most exotic thing in the NFL, and we all love exotic. But when you go out and you sign Eric Decker, and you draft Corey Davis, and you get these wide receiver threats on an offense, especially Eric Decker, who's who's such a goal line end zone red zone threat, uh, and Corey Davis is another big body, big catch radius receiver. You just like you kind of want you want them to be involved. You want this team to 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 rely on Mar- Marcus Mariota just a little bit more. Just give me a little, put a little more on his shoulders, especially around the goal line. But it's upsetting. Yeah, and I feel like whenever they fire Mike McCarthy and get a good offensive coach in, whenever there, that we're going to see comes. this. Um, well, the the Titans aren't going to make the playoff this year. If we're gonna if we're gonna talk superlatives on next episode, this is gonna be the most disappointing team in football for Titans fans coming up in 100%. about five weeks. Uh, so, you mentioned Corey Davis; he looks good. They're clearly trying to get him the ball downfield. As much as I'm disparaging the lack of passing, when they do throw deep, you can tell that it's with the intention to get Corey Davis the ball down the field. So it's Delaney Walker, Corey Davis. They have a plan, and you can tell that they're at least. When they try to pass, they're at least trying to execute that. So as a Corey Davis owner and as someone who saw Corey Davis play and was very excited about him getting drafted where he did, I think he's on track. We have to remember he came into the season very late. He came from a school that people were very concerned about being a small school, but he looks like he has the size and athleticism to get there. And it looks like he's probably just going to go through the rookie growing pains that we used to afford people until Amari Cooper and the like came along and kind of shattered all of those expectations. All right. Uh, and then in retrospect, I mean, Amari Cooper shattered ex- expectations as a rookie. And then what do you get? What is it? Three years later? I mean, right. so he's going through his rookie slump in his third year, which is supposed to be the takeoff year. So right. he's just doing it his own way. Like kind of a Frank Sinatra thing. I like exactly. it. Um, what do you have for the, on Cincinnati side? Uh, so bad is what I have for Cincinnati. So, uh, everybody, all your skilled players that you're thinking about starting on Cincinnati got theirs. AJ green got loose for a 70 yard touchdown, which gave him like one fifteen and a touchdown on the day. So you're happy there. Uh, Joe Mixon, it, you know, he got you another touchdown and I'm probably the several of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably several weeks saying this, but just in case you've missed it, Joe Mixon is the starting running back and workhorse for the Bengals. He has not looked great. He never looks super quick. He never looks super decisive, but they're giving him the ball. Like, I think they understand that this year they're not going anywhere. And so he is the feature back, which means 
the Bengals are competent enough to score. And if you have the feature back on a team that is competent enough to score, that's a great third running back. That's a really good flex. That's someone that you're going to start. So the takeaway for Cincy here is you're okay with all of your skill players, which by the way, means AJ Green and Joe Mixon. And if there's an owner in your league who's flexing Joe Mixon or somebody who's just not really excited about him and you can scoop in there, you can give him something like, I don't know, I should have thought of this before I went into it. <laughs> um, if you can trade something that you're not really excited about for Joe Mixon, uh, he's he's going to keep giving you these you know, 60 yards and a touchdown game. So if you're fat at wide receiver or if you ended up getting Evan Ingram and Kelsey or something like that and you want to move one of those pieces to get Joe Mixon for your flex, go for it. He's not going to blow up, but he's going to be a very solid back. And if you're in keeper leagues, this is the longest telegraph punch ever. Joe Mixon is going to be the starter for the Bengals next year, and he's going to be going into a second year, and he's going to get hyped up into the second round, even though he's not going to do much this year. So if you can get him and keep him, go ahead and make the move. And I'm sorry, Bengals fans. It's going to be a rough year, guys. Yeah, the keeper league is a good point because Jeremy Hill is gone. He's not coming back next year. They've all but said that. And Gio looks great. They're just not giving him the ball, and they're deciding not to give him the ball. And Gio's always going to kind of play that secondary role. They've never allowed him to be – I mean, they've never allowed him, and they've never used him as a starting running back. So he's never going to have that role in Cincinnati. So it's it's Joe Mixon's backfield to lose – and so, yeah, in a keeper league, if you can get him, if you can buy low on him, he's going to be he's going to be big next year. Yeah, for sure. And then one thing I want to squeeze in is we got to see the Vontez perfect rule oh, come God. into play. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know the man personally, but he seems to act like a real jerk when he seems plays. Like an football. asshole. Right. So I was really glad to see him get thrown out for yes. being, as you quite succinctly put it, for being an asshole. So good on you, NFL. I love the yellow card, red card rule. Good. Get it. Like finally, finally an ejection that makes sense. I mean, I and we and we talked about this last week. Like last week was WWE where we saw th- whatever three different fights break out. Mike Evans somehow wasn't ejected last week, but like Vont is perfect, and I know he's all like the Bengals are like, whoa, he didn't do anything wrong. The NFL is targeting him. Well, you know under why the NFL is targeting him? Because he's been suspended at least once every single year since he's come into the league because he put a target on him because he doesn't play by the rules. He's a completely dirty player. And you know what? Get him injected. If he can't play by the rules and the Bengals keep protecting this guy, like at some point, you're just gone. You're gone. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you earn your reputation, man. And he's earned his. So... Yeah, exactly. Uh, final note before we move on to uh, one of my games of the week or one of my fantasy matchups that I enjoyed. Uh, quickly, I'm going to solve everyone's problems in Tennessee. Uh, we talked about it earlier. What man crafted three starting running uh, three starting quarterbacks last year? Josh McDaniels. Welcome to Tennessee. Steelers versus the Colts. <gasps> oh, please. OK, beautiful. Would that be? Uh, Steelers versus the Colts. Obviously, we touched on this during the You Help No One since we had two players from this in here. I'm, and I apologize to both you, Clark, and Antonio Brown owners across the league. Uh, I just – there's nothing that you can really be said. We've, we talked about it on the opening of the show. But who I do want to talk about is Juju Smith-Schuster because guess who is for real? Um, five catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. 
He has worked. He has earned a serious role in this Steelers offense. He's a worthy. He's worthwhile. He's a legit starter for the rest of the season. If you've got him, excellent. Good on you. Start him from this point onwards. If you have Martavis Bryant, why? Why do you have him? Like, just get rid of him already. He's just baggage. No one's going to want him. Uh, he is going. He, he's established himself now as a legit. A legit wide receiver two, I think. I think he's. I think he's surpassed the flex consideration. He's a wide receiver two. He should be starting every single week. Plus, and I know that fantasy doesn't give you points for this, but I think, I think there should be rules that are instated that you do award points for this, especially since the NFL has allowed touchdown celebrations back into the league. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster's touchdown celebrations have been a freaking plus. This week's was. Him and Le'Veon Bell mocking the A.J. Green-Jalen Ramsey fight because there needs to be more bad blood between the Steelers and the Bengals, which is just fantastic. Oh, my God. Now I'm going to have to go watch this game. Kate. Oh, it's it's amazing. So Juju scores a touchdown, and then he's, like, walking around with his arms wide, and Le'Veon Bell comes and grabs him and just wraps his arm around his neck and pulls him down. And, and, and Juju does the whole fake Ramsey, like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. He's had some excellent, excellent touchdown celebrations. Uh, and so a plus to this guy, I'm going to now try to find whether or not in the ESPN league, since that's what one of the leagues that I run is in, if you can just like create your own reasons for point scoring. Uh, and I'm going to say excellent, uh, touchdown celebrations. I feel that's like dealer's choice, right? Like you can just add three points as commish. I think I might. I think I might just be like Juju Smith-Schuster gets an extra, you know, two points every ex- every awesome touchdown de- celebration he has because they're fantastic. This oh. segues nicely into one of the things I was going to complain about tonight, and then decided not to. Uh, but since we have a second here, do we have to celebrate everything? Now that I agree with. Like, I understand it's a very violent game, and you're excited, and I love to see the passion. But like, you know, sometimes just get up and act like you. Yeah, caught the ball before have you anyway. are you are you referencing the uh minnesota vikings leapfrogging no no i thought that was great oh. i am i am talking <laughs> about like you tackle a guy after he gains 12 oh. yards and gets the first down and then yes. you act like you're the freaking greatest thing since processed sliced cheese in a can <laughs> you know like the, i mean that- guys come on like no, oh, I'm I'm glad that we keep the podcast clean because I'm just stuttering and rambling and trying not to swear. So, you know, you know, yeah. it's a good argument when Clark gets to the point where he just stutters uh, incoherently for a couple seconds. I mean, like, I love the celebrations. Like, I mean, some of them suck, but you got to give them some credit. Like, they haven't been able to do it for so long. The touchdown like, is just totally feeling legit. out their legs, you know, and like right. you get the touchdown or even if it's like a big sack, you know, like that's fine. But. God, just be better, guys. Like the ones, the, the ones that I absolutely hate or or think that are just the dumbest are when you have a defensive player either tackle someone who's like when the defense celebrates a play that still netted the offense a good play. Like they'll make the tackle and the offense will get the first down, and the defense is like, "We got him, we got him." It's yeah, like, good job, guys. You failed. First down was still received. Um, <laughs> Later, we're going to complain about taxes and other things like people walking on our lawns. So stay tuned. So stay tuned as the old guys talk about what grievances they have with the modern world. Let's move on to the Giants at the 49ers, a game in which the 49ers got their very first victory. And so now they leave the 
Cleveland Browns is the only team in the NFL currently winless. Uh, Clark, we had talked about this game on Thursday as possibly a fantasy just explosion. Um, it kind of lived up to that, but not exactly. I mean, so in the sense that these were two equally matched teams who ended up with a fairly decent score for people who are just looking at the box score, it was a decent game because all of the team's flaws seem to intersect. If you don't watch football really closely, it looked like a good game Yeah, uh, because the, the defense wasn't very good and the offense wasn't very good. And so both teams kind of accidentally ended up scoring a couple of times and it was competitive. Uh, the sad tragedy of this game is that the Giants managed to lose against this San Francisco team. That's just not good. I mean, their, their coach, runs a very traditional play action zone run scheme and they can't do it. They're running West coast spread type plays for CJ Beathard. And you can just, you can just tell like, this is not Shanahan football, but fortunately he's not so stubborn that he's just going to force his players into doing what they can't do. So he's trying to run this simplified offense. It's just not working. It just doesn't look good. The only thing here that is worth anything is Carlos Hyde, and he's going to be gone next year. I mean, talk about Keeper League. If you can get Brita, yeah. go ahead and pick up Brita because they might draft someone, but if they don't, he's going to start. Um, the biggest takeaway for me in this game, so I'm going to get on my high horse here for a moment, is uh, <laughs> excellent. I know that we just talked about Vontez Berfic being a thug and earning his reputation and being an embarrassment to the NFL. But this week we also saw – uh, Marquise Goodwin catch a really deep touchdown pass uh, and kind of went down in the end zone on one knee and did the Hail Mary, which you see a lot. But then we found out after the game that uh, he and his wife went through a tragedy and uh, it really humanized him. And I think that it's just a reminder to all of us when we're talking about fantasy football and we're talking about something that we feel like we have so much invested in and we say players are trash or this person is garbage or that we should keep in mind, like if the person is actually garbage, like they shot someone in the back at a strip club and now they're paralyzed, we should call that person garbage. But if the person is just not great at football, remember, these these people are people and they go through tragedies just like we go through. And I just really appreciated Goodwin's effort here and just my you know thoughts and prayers. I hate, I hate that it sounds so trivial, but I don't mean it that way. So just I hope he and his family are, are doing well. And I just hope that this serves as a reminder to all of us in the fantasy community of you know, keep in mind these folks are, are people, and if they have a bad fantasy performance, don't tweet horrible things at them, and don't talk about these guys like they don't have feelings and emotions either. So that that's really my, my big takeaway from the Giants and 49ers game, Pete. Well said. Ditto. Ditto 100%. Um, let's move on to, and I alluded to this celebration, not that I'm going to talk about it, but the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Washington team that is in Washington. If you haven't seen the celebration, it's fun. It's this pretty is good. one of the good ones. It's, it's a pretty fun. good. It also follows a pretty spectacular Adam Thielen catch. Oh, yeah. Ties into my narrative about the Vikings. Uh, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. They are back to being the most dynamic wide receiver duo in the NFL. Um, Where the hell did that come from? But yes, you're totally right. 
Where? Where did it come? Like, Stefan Diggs we saw flashes of, and Adam Thielen, I guess we both saw flashes of, but no one in their right mind would have ever predicted this. They, uh, Adam Thielen had eight catches for 166 yards and a touchdown, and Stefan Diggs had four catches for 78 yards uh, and a TD as well. Huge to see Stefan Diggs be able to come back, and I know maybe that stat line's not as sexy as Adam Thielen's, but huge to see him come back, get get the job done against Norman when he was matched up against him, because uh, it's been taking him a little bit to get back on track after his injuries, but he seems to be back and clicking. Um, and both receivers are on pace for this is this is this is my uh, little fun fact of the day. Oh, both no. receivers are on pace for 1,100 yards uh, this season. Adam Thielen's on pace for 1,400 yards, and Stefan Diggs is, I believe, on pace for like 1,150. It's like the soul of Aaron Rodgers was released when his clavicle broke and flew into the body of Case Keenum, and now Who's Minnesota is zinging it all over the court. It's amazing. That's going to support two viable fantasy starting wide receivers. I love, I love it. I love everything about it. And it, it, I am so excited because you know, this decision is inevitably coming. Many thought that it was happening this week because uh, Mike Zimmer was all hush hush about who the starting quarterback was for the Vikings moving in. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is, is ready to go. And is anything that we saw before his gruesome knee injury, this, this team is, in contention for a Super Bowl run. And and I just think Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Case Keenum, a more consistent quarterback than Case Keenum in the past. I understand who knows what could what he could be when he takes the field now. Um, but he now has two legit wide receiver weapons and a tight end weapon. I mean, he's got a full arsenal of offensive weapons around him. Uh, I think this is going to be a team that whenever the whenever the reins are passed over to Bridgewater, uh, if he's at all what we saw earlier in his career, this Vikings team could go far. So, hold on a second here. As a long-time Houston Texans fan, I have a special place in my heart for Case Keenum. He went to the U of H, what I, I couldn't care less about. But he threw for like a million yards there. And all he's ever done in the NFL has given no Fs about interceptions whatsoever. He is going to throw it up, and he is going to throw it deep. And he's going to run the play like it's supposed to be run, and he's going to throw it to the deepest receiver. And we're seeing that really pay off in Minnesota here with Thielen and with Diggs and with a viable running game with McKinnon, who is doing a great job filling in for Kareem Hunt. They have enough on defense to really shut teams down and win a game 13-10. to 10. And then they have this gunslinger quarterback who's so far – hasn't thrown six interceptions and cost them a game. So people like me are really excited about it. Now, the Case Keenum, the bad Case Keenum game is maybe coming. And that's going to be when you hear calls for Teddy Bridgewater. But when Keenum's throwing for 600 yards and nine touchdowns and everybody else is getting 100 yards and 10 catches, that's not going to happen. So I think you got to give Keenum at least the leash to have a few bad games. I don't uh, before you bring I totally think that's true. I think that's true. My only worry is the is, is that basically Minnesota has to rebuild their quarterback position at the end of this year. All three of those guys are our contracts are up at the end. Bridgewater, uh, Keenum, and and Bradford. Now Bradford, I think you've seen enough of. I think you move on from him, despite the fact that he started the season exceptionally. Like so, you I at some point, hurt, you at know? some point, you've got to see what Bridgewater can do in a game situation and I know that's such a weird thing to say because of the fact that you're making a playoff run because of the fact that you're one of the better teams in the NFC and that you have a legit shot at playing in the Super Bowl in your home stadium which is would be dope 
I don't know when that trans- transition happens. I Case Keenum could just be a good quarterback, and maybe he's just we, there. Might never there might never be a bad Case Keenum game that's looming. You know, it's possible. I think it's much more likely that Case Keenum could go on a Trent Dilfer plus run. Yeah. Like we know who he is, and he's not bad. Like he, Case Keenum is what you want as your backup quarterback. You want someone that can come in and throw the ball around and yeah. win you two out of three games. Yep. And he's never been able to translate that into a long season, but he hasn't had a lot of chances to translate that into a long season. He's played for some pretty crummy teams, Texans, in the past. So it's exciting to see what's going on, and it's one of those things that you hope it turns into a trend because – just for no reason other than it'd be fun. I would love to see a team play in their home stadium. It would be awesome. Uh, playoffs, that'd be fun. You hey, know, how much, how much would you love a Super Bowl of the Trent Dilfers if you had the Jaguars against the Vikings? Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put it's that gonna, on me. The, it's going to happen. The, it's going to be the battle of the Trent Dilfer teams. They're going to be both having the top defenses in the NFL and then offenses that are just going to hope their quarterback don't lose it for them. To be fair, it would probably be like most Super Bowls, which ends up with me drunk outside and grilling by about the second quarter and someone having to remind me like, hey, the Patriots are in the middle of one of the most amazing Super Bowl comebacks in the world. You might want to stop smoking heaters and come inside and, and watch. Like, no, I don't care. Ah, no, these Get American parents aren't going to smoke themselves. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, since you brought up the Jags, I just want to touch on like, only the Chargers could find a way to lose that game to only oh. the Jaguars. Like, oh, we didn't have this on the list. Is, we'll go into it for such, just a second. Such a, such a, oh, that's such a good point. I'm so glad like, you brought it up. The two teams most known in the NFL for just finding a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, as my dad says. <laughs> and they both Neither did one it. of these teams wanted this game. And so the Chargers just proved that despite moving from San Diego to Los Angeles, they wanted even less. And there's nothing nothing instills more confidence in your team than your kicker kicking the game winner and then running all the way to midfield and doing a power slide. When your kicker is like <sighs> celebrating like he scored a touchdown, that's when you know that this team is, is going to go places. I mean, good on the Jaguars. I feel like I have to say it so that I don't sound mean, but oh my God, seriously, the Jaguars are in first place. Really? I, it's a, I love it. What is happening in the world? Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. You want to know what's happening in the world? You want to know what's happening? We just witnessed a man record six sacks in a single game. That's what's happening. That's a transition. We're transitioning. Dallas Cowboys, Falcons. The Falcons wreak havoc on the Cowboys because Tyron Smith is the greatest left tackle in the NFL at the current moment. And that was proven because as soon as he was gone, Adrian Claiborne, a man who does not get a lot of sacks and, in fact, only had two in the season, record six in a single season, in a single game. Surprisingly, this was the boring game that I selected this week. Which is a shocker. I, I mean, at the beginning of the week, I thought Cowboys-Falcons, this is going to be a great game. Even, right. Even with Ezekiel Elliott out, I thought these teams were very evenly matched and that this was going to be a very interesting game two top flight wide receivers, two very good quarterbacks, two sneaky, good, fast defenses. You know, I, I was really hoping this would be a good game. Uh, the Cowboys got out to an early lead. They had a stupid turnover earlier and then were 
gifted a turnover back and Dak Prescott rushes for a touchdown early. And then that was it for the Cowboys folks. You could have just gone <laughs> home after that because that's all they freaking did all game. It's <laughs> all they had. It's all they had going for them. The Falcons didn't look great. They just ran a bunch of pedestrian plays and picked up six, seven, eight yards here and there, and then ended up 27 to seven. This was, I looked down at my notes after watching this game and it was over. I didn't have anything written down. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking, like, there's nothing that stands out to me in oh. this entire, I'm like, oh, Devontae Freeman got hurt. There it and is. That was like at the end, like that was, what does this prove? Cowboys, you bear the tape. You move on. You just had a bad game. You move on. I don't think that's. I don't think Dak Prescott has lost it because he doesn't have his buddy Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think the Falcons are good again. I don't think the Falcons are going to dominate and win a bunch of games and end up overtaking the division. No, the Falcons are still very questionable and barely beat a Dallas Cowboys team that couldn't have tied their own shoes if someone had asked them to do it this week. And <laughs> you know what? Dak Prescott's still good, guys. He's been good for a year and a half, and he had one crummy game. Give him a freaking break. It's not <laughs> over. People love to people love to predict the end of, of of players and everyone has been like since Dak Prescott entered started for Tony Rumble and since he had his first victory, everyone's like, Well, that's the best we've seen of Dak Prescott. He's ready to come down off the cliff now. Yeah, people have bad games. It happens. I think this is what happened with the Cowboys. We'll see in the next he couple of weeks. He didn't even have a bad game. It's so you can't have a, you can't have a good game when literally you snap the ball and all of a sudden your blind side is getting wrecked because your left tackle can't protect anything. I could have gotten a sack on Dak Prescott. All he had to do is just run around the guy. That's true, and that's a very good point. They were getting pressure on him all game, and he did what Dak Prescott does, which he eluded a ton of pressure. Right. But there was just so much. It's like you can only make so many guys miss before one of those three hundred and fifty pound bad mofos grabs you you know like that's all you can do so whatever i don't think this game means much i I mean i think the cowboys are missing the playoffs anyway i think the falcons are too there you go both of these teams are better than they looked today but not good enough yeah uh let's wrap it up with sunday night football my new england patriots who i landed just in time to see uh planned that accordingly uh took on the Denver Broncos in Denver, which is always a sticky location for the Patriots to play. However, uh, thanks to special teams, uh, they had a special victory. Uh, Sadly, clearly I was wrong about Gronk. I had predicted him to have a big game since the Broncos cannot cover tight ends, uh, and Gronk is the greatest tight end that has, is, and will ever play. But he did not really do that. I mean, he still had a Gronk. He had seven, I think, seventy yards, uh, no touchdown. I thought he was going to get triple digits in the yards, but or whatever. A bad but, game for a tight end this year. That's fine. I know, right? You'll take that. But you know who is a winner here, Clark? Who? You, Dion Lewis, baby, is ready to go. Yeah. Why I told no one to draft new England backs is coming back to haunt me. Every time I play Dion Lewis, he has a bad game. Every time he's on my bench, he explodes. He does wonders 14 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown. Uh, He's had at least 11 attempts in each of the last four games, which in Patriots terms means that he's their starting running back, which means he's going to get you consistent touches. And Dion Lewis is good enough to turn those consistent touches into points. Um, and it also means absolutely nothing because you never know when he's going to get the ball and you never know when Rex Burke has going to show up for like 
freaking nine carries and seven catches. I hate the Patriots backfield so much. So speaking of sexy Rexy Burkhead, he uh, returned in a barrel spot, 10 yards, uh, 10 carries, 36 yards, three catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the Patriots could prove me wrong, but usage of sexy Rexy and Deion Lewis all but puts Mike Gillisley out of fantasy value. Gillisley started the season with three touchdowns against the Chiefs, and everyone was like, oh, my God, it's the Garrett Blunt 2.0. Lewis and Burkhead, the way they've been used around the goal line show that the Patriots are confident in their ability to, to punch it in on short goal, goal line and short yardage. They also offer a lot more in the passing game than Mike Gillisley, which, you know, they can do all kinds of weird, crazy things. They love using Burkhead as a receiver. Um, so I think I think if you have Mike Gillisley, if you've been hanging on to him, hoping that he's going to give you another multi-touchdown performance, I don't necessarily know if that's coming, but as Clark eloquently said, it's the Patriots backfield. Belichick could completely just decide that this next game, he's going to only give it to Mike Gillisley and Mike Gillisley will end with 130 yards and four touchdowns. I'll Jonas Gray. Who knows? I just think, I think Deion Lewis, I think, I think Bill Belichick and the Patriots in general have always wanted Deion Lewis to be their guy. And I think he's now basically becoming, he's, he's becoming a full part of that offense. He's fully healthy. Uh, he had a kick return for a touchdown last this game as well, which was a beautiful work of uh, toe tapping around the, uh, uh, around the sideline. Would not be surprised if Deion Lewis is continues to be an integral part of this offense moving yeah, forward. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise you either if he keeps getting nine or ten touches a game until the playoffs, and then he starts getting 20, 25 touches a game. Because this is not something that we see very often in the NFL. Is the Patriots are so good that they don't have to bother with their best players giving a hundred percent all of the time. And it's as not a Patriots fan, I just I want my team to be that good. I'm just jealous. Let me just quickly, let me just quickly, because I had this discussion. So, taking the curtain that, uh, or taking the sheet that lies on the piano off. Uh, this weekend, I was in Minnesota. I was in Minnesota with my fiance. We were uh, doing parts of our planning, parts of our wedding, blah 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 blah. And I was with her family and her whole side of the family, particularly her mom, uh, are big Packers fans because they're from Wisconsin. And so, oh sure, oh sure. So her mom was her mom was asking me about what I thought about the Packers and why the Packers are struggling. Blah 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 blah. Um, and this is what I have to quickly say because because this is one of the things that I think gets overlooked by one of the strategies that I think gets overlooked by what the Patriots do. So many teams are okay with bringing back what they have. And I understand that that's good, but, but it only gets you so far. Like think of, if you think of the Packers, the Packers brought back basically everyone they had and they signed Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett was really the only addition that the Packers added to that offense from last year. That was the only real change that they made. They drafted two running backs, so you've got Aaron Jones, Martellus Bennett. Those are your biggest additions to an offense that struggles for a good part of the season last year. Shocker, Aaron Rodgers goes down, and now you're completely hosered. Because, and the offense was already struggling. Meanwhile, Patriots win a Super Bowl. What do they do? They go out and they trade for Brandon Cooks. They trade for uh, Dwayne Allen, who caught his first pass and touchdown this weekend. They went and signed three different running backs. They went and got... Uh, Philip Dorsett, they traded Jacoby Brissett for that. They got, uh, oh my God. They got the corner from Buffalo. Yep, Stefan Gilmore on the defensive side. So basically, like, they went and made changes. I think teams are, teams tend to, teams tend to see change as 
or messing with the system as somehow setting them back. If you always have a 12 and four season, there's a reason why it's because of the people that you have in house and you need to spice it up. And I think that's something that the Patriots don't get enough credit for is everyone always like, why are the Patriots changing their offense? Why are they adding all these new pieces? Why are they getting rid of pieces? Why are they completely changing it around? And it's because you can never be complacent in this league because you never know what's going to happen. And I know that the the constant through all of it is Brady, number 12. But if you are the Packers, and this is why I bring this up, and this is specifically Packers just because I was talking to Becca's whole family. If you have Aaron Rodgers, why are you content with a 12-4 and four season? Why are you content with a 11-5 and five season? Why are you content with this offense that you've constructed that clearly doesn't work? Stop being sentimental. Get rid of Jordy Nelson. Get rid of Randall Cobb. They're not. They're not working anymore. Go get yourself Whoa. a legit Whoa, tight end. Pete. I tell you, I, I, if I were in control of the Packers this season, I would just clean house. I would get rid of Mike McCarthy. Get rid of Dom Capers. I would get rid of Randall Cobb. Get rid of Jordy Nelson. I would probably get rid of Clay Matthews. Put some youth and talent on that team. Get some people who are young. Get some people who are going to make plays for you. Be explosive in that passing attack and stop making it these ISO routes with Aaron Rodgers just heaving the ball up and living and dying by his arm. Start giving him a balanced attack and weapons across the board that could do more things than just run a vertical route down the sideline and hope for the best. Are they going to let you back into Minnesota? Talking to those Packers fans like that? Well, in Minnesota, they'll love me. They'll be like, oh, this guy's a goddamn hero. If uh, They won't let me back in Wisconsin, that's but for sure. But the fiancé's mom is the important one. Hey, I told her all of this, and she was like, you know what, Peter? I think you're right. And I was like, I'm glad you approved. All right, so I agree with 85% of what you said. Beautiful. Fire the coaches. Now, there's nothing wrong with Jordan Nelson. There's nothing wrong with Randall Cobb. Other than relying on them to be 100% of the offense in conjunction with Aaron Rodgers. So that's that, that's my one bone to pick there. And the defense here has never come up and won a game. Like how many yeah. games a year does the Packers defense win for them? I think zero. Are we in the neighborhood zero. of zero per year? It's always Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, and Devontae Adams in the past couple of years, or before that, Randall Cobb. So I'm with you. They're too reliant. This we're, we're on repeat here. What has happened to this podcast? What has happened to this podcast? We've derailed ourselves. We got off the rails. I'll make sure we'll be. So the Texans. Everyone <laughs> wants to talk about the Texans. This will be my closing yep. statement as Perfect. a bereaved Texans fan. Tom Savage, as a person, I wish you the best in life. And I have, like, you know, I understand that you're a person, and I, I hope that you're able to turn it around. But it's so bad. So. Sell your Texans. I dropped Will Fuller before this game because on last week's podcast, I said, Tom Savage is going to get these wide receivers killed. And yep. what happened this week? Will Fuller broke his ribs because Tom Savage thinks, oh, if there's a corner on my wide receiver, I'm just going to chuck it up in between that corner and wide receiver and the safety who's just hanging out. It'll and go over. It'll happen. It'll be great. He's going to kill my wide receiver, and that might get me 18 yards. It was so disappointing to watch the Texans go out and put up the offensive performance that they did against the Rams. I know the Rams are good. The Rams aren't some power puff that they've been for the past couple of years. And good on the Rams for going out and making all of these coaching changes, bringing in Wade Phillips, bringing in the new hot young offensive coordinator slash head coach. It is all working. And watching that juxtaposition of watching everything work versus watching everything fall apart for my Texans. It was just too much. So 
Fortunately, our first and second round pick next year, also not fine, Deshaun Watson. We're counting on you, buddy. I, Whatever you need, if you need to come to Austin, whatever you need, man, we, we are counting on you. Get well soon. Just trade all your Texans. Ugh. And with that, we conclude this RB1 podcast, which was part Week 10 recap and part let's talk about our favorite teams. Why not, right? If you would like to Why talk not? about hey, your favorite, we get come to on. do what we want. It's our podcast. We can talk about um, your favorite greens. Do you prefer kale or chard? Oh, that's a good question. I would say spinach over both of those. Oh, God, Pete. Okay. So we will devote a little time next week to talk about this. Really? You like Swiss chard that much or kale? I feel a little sauteed kale is the bee's knees, brother. Oh, man. Kale is just is just what hipsters have fed to it's us. It's got a bad rap, and it's got a lot of anti-hipster pushback. But as a gardener, kale is really resilient and delicious. So anyway, we'll wrap up the gardening segment of the <laughs> RB1 podcast. We'll I'll give it back to you, Pete. Excellent. Well, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Make sure to subscribe and like us and rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars if you, like us, love to ramble and like Clark, love to garden and love kale. Anyways, we will be back in your eardrums uh, on Thursday morning. We will be recording Wednesday night as always, giving you as... Clark alluded to uh, maybe a little superlatives going into the rest of the season. But until then, remember that we care about your fantasy football team. We also care about your favorite team. Just let us know who it is. We'd love to talk about it. Until Thursday.